So because I knew I wanted to be a professional basketball player and I know my sister, you know, I've seen her lifestyle and I, I've seen what she had to do. And I knew that um, I was going to have to finish school early in order for me to to be done and wrap the final four and just be a pro. I knew I was going to have to finish early. So I took extra classes each quarter. I had to take an extra class um, in summer school to make sure that I was going to be prepared. Because I was like, I do not want to be to the going to the draft in my first year in the league, having to be still in finals, going to school. So I prepared myself. Um, like my freshman year, I decided that like I was going to have to. I think, or maybe it was my sophomore year. In the sophomore year, I was like, okay, I got to ramp up things so I can make sure that I finish on time. So yeah, that was all planned out. Another season in the books the podcast featuring current and former professional athletes. They come from all over the world, and many spent their college years studying and playing in the United States. We talk athletics, academics, and because life is so interesting, a little bit of everything else. My favorites, food, and cultural differences. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 14-year vet in Europe's professional basketball leagues. I played one year in Switzerland, and I'm currently on my 13th year in Spain with the club Movistar Estudiantes in Spain's top women's league, La Liga Femenina Endesa. All right, it's about that time, so let's get to it! Hello, everyone. It's been a while, but after a couple months off, I am back with you all. However, I'm probably not going to be as consistent as before, uh, but we will try to get you all some stories and interviews whenever possible. So if you're wondering, yes, we did welcome our little Miss Ruby Faye into the world uh, exactly two days after interviewing today's guest. Uh, Yes, I was actually induced the morning of August 12th, which was 10 days after my due date. And little babe was born via emergency C-section the night of the 13th. So not necessarily the road we had expected, but everything went well and we are now enjoying every day with our chunky, (laughs) smiley, uh, two-month-old. So, happy two months to the little lady of the household, and at the same time, a big welcome to today's guest. Um, Today's guest is a big-time baller and podcaster herself, the one and only Erica McCall. Um, I'll let Erica give you her background information, and you'll soon realize that she is the real deal, both on and off the court. And before we get started, just a little heads up, there was an unfortunate technical mistake. (laughs) Or should I say human error during the pod, which I take complete responsibility for. So at the end, I'll try to sum up a couple things that were not recorded unfortunately. I don't know if I can blame it on mom brain or what. It's the first time it's ever happened to me. Um, But you know, it was late at night here in Spain. The next morning I was going to be induced and your girl forgot to hit the record button. So (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, but uh, it's still a great interview and there's lots of good stuff. So enjoy and we'll see you at the end. All right, Erica McCall, thank you so much for being here today. I'm especially excited because you're probably the most, if not one of the most decorated guests that I've had on the pod. Um, you are going to be playing in La Liga Femenina Endesa next year for Perfumeria, Perfumerias in Salamanca, which is very exciting because that's the league I've been in for the last 13 years. Um, you're an athlete who also has her own podcast. And you are the one of the final people that I'm going to be having a conversation with before becoming a mom. Because tomorrow morning, I have an appointment at 8.30 to be induced. And I can't really believe that we're getting this interview in and that we're doing this. And I probably will never forget it because it's like, this is one of the last major conversations that I'm having before becoming a mom. So thank you so much for being here. How are you? Set the scene. Tell us where you are. Uh, what time zone you're in, what time is it, all that stuff. First of all, I am honored um, to be here. One, because I am joining the Spanish League and I know nothing about it. So to have such a decorated guest or a guest, decorated, I'm acting like I'm on my own show, a decorated host as yourself to be, uh, allow me to be on your show is amazing. And to be doing a podcast before, the day before you're having a baby is amazing. Women are amazing. I could never do it. So kudos to you. <laughs> so thank you again for having me on. Um, I am currently in Phoenix, Arizona right now, um, training and working out. Um, I'm originally from Bakersfield, California, born and raised. I love it. Um, but the basketball scene is better for me out here in Phoenix. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing right now. I went to Stanford university where um i played with your teammate nadia fingal um mm-hmm. what's the team that she's called it's, i know it's like a big m but i don't know like <laughs> what, yeah movistar movistar estudiantes movistar estudiantes okay mm-hmm. all right yep I you know i i won't be on the floor but i will be in the stands for sure when okay. you get you're battling out there post against post, man. <laughs> okay. I'm so hyped. Yeah. I'm so hyped to play against her. And again, I mean, I literally haven't played against her since college, since she was a freshman in college and now she's a pro. So that's going to be a lot of fun, but yeah, I graduated from Stanford in 2013, mm-hmm. 2013, 2017, my goodness, <laughs> making myself way older than, than what I am um, in 2017. And then uh, I was drafted by the Indiana fever um, in 2017 Played with them for three years, uh, played with Atlanta for two weeks, Minnesota for the rest of the season in the bubble. Yes, love so many. They're out there balling right now. And then just wrapped up a season last summer with the Washington Mystics. And now I'm a free agent. So, yeah, that's currently where I'm at right now. Well, thank you so much for that background information. Um, We'll get into your time at Minnesota, but yeah, it was the bubble. So you probably didn't have that much time or opportunity to get to know Minneapolis. You weren't even really in Minneapolis. No, I flew straight to Florida. So I didn't get to experience it. The only time I've experienced Minneapolis was playing against Minnesota. So I haven't even got to experience it as a, as a player, which everyone is an amazing city. So yeah, people speak highly about it. Yes. Yes, I do. I do hear good stories, good stories and good words about it. Yes. Okay. Good deal. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love Minnesota. I love Minneapolis. Um, 
my, I grew up like 25 minutes West of Minneapolis. Um, okay. yeah. So I've been, you know, I've been to Lynx games and whatnot. And when I saw that you had played for them, I got really excited because that was just one more thing kind of that we have in common. Yes. Um, but I forgot that it was the year of the bubble and you weren't even really there. And Minneapolis in the summer, I mean, in the summer it is phenomenal. So it's nice that, nice that players are able to be there during the summer. The winter is a little bit more harsh, but. Um, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. You from Bakersfield, California, yes. now in Phoenix. What, yes. What's the temperature in Phoenix? Because here in Spain, we've literally had like more than a month straight of literally 100 degree days every day. Oh yeah, that's Phoenix out here. Like I, there's like, it touches like 99, that, like that's it. Um, so this week it's like low 100s. Um, yeah, that's about the average for this week. When I first came out here, it was like, I kid you not, like an average of 110 plus for two weeks it was miserable. I was like, I can never live here. And then it's calmed down to like the low 100s, which I'm used to being from Bakersfield. So I'm like, okay, this is normal to me. Um, yeah. For Spain, is that like, is that extremely hot weather right now? Or it's been, I think, one of the hottest summers that they've had on record. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So whether it's climate change or what, but it's been, it's been hot. And I've had the air conditioning on like full blast every day, all day, because being pregnant too, it's like you're, you have, you're generating more heat as it is. Yes. So hopefully in September or in late August, whenever you arrive in Salamanca, it's probably not as hot as in Madrid, I would think, but okay. uh, yeah. righty. Yeah. I hear, you, I hear your Minnesota accent. Can you? <laughs> yes. I hope it's not too strong because I remember in high school listening to some of my interviews being like, oh man, that's bad. <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 it, um, I'm sure, you know, of course, uh, why am I blanking on Mia coffee? Mia or... coffee. Yeah. <laughs> or it's right. Mia coffee, uh, is from, uh, she went to Hopkins high North school. North that's where I went. Oh, tough. nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Rachel. Banham. Yes. Rachel Bannum, um, uh, in her accent and you can hear it in hers and she's just Minnesota strong, Minnesota proud. And so that's yeah. your accent reminds me of hers. Yes. Rachel. I mean, she went to the university of Minnesota where I went as well, but I'm a fair amount older, so we never cross paths, but sure. uh, and Nia, she went to Northwestern and I'm still a fair amount older than her. The only time we really crossed paths was at high school. And she would come to the camps when she was a little girl, you know, her, her sister, her brother, just like yes. little tiny kids. And I was way bigger than them because I was born in 1986. And now the three of them are like, you know, her brother's a beast. And yes. Mia, uh, we played against each other in Euro Cup this past year. And okay. She's just balling out. So um, I love you. Yeah. Great family. But yes. uh Okay, so getting into the, the meat and potatoes of the podcast, I always start each interview asking my guests, what do you think is your first sports memory as a kid? Doesn't have to be basketball. Ooh, sports memory. Um, wow, great question. Let me think. I think that my one of my first sports memories was like playing basketball. I remember that. Um, and there was this guy, like it was me and my friend, Alex, we're still best friends to this day. We both probably like six or seven playing on that team. And this boy just thought he can do like, you know, like he was the boy. So he thought he was like better than us. And I remember I made like a half court shot. It was like crazy. All the fans are going crazy. Like, ah, like, 
you know, as a kid, you know, making a half court shot is like the wildest thing ever. <laughs> You're barely making shots at that age. Um, so I made it. Everyone's going crazy, like, ah. And I remember like the next game, he tried to shoot a half court shot and missed it, like just to like prove that he can do one too. And I'm like, it. And so, yeah, that was from, a, from an early age, I had to compete, <laughs> you know, for proving that, you know, women or girls are just as good as boys. And so that's probably my earliest sports mm-hmm. memory that well, I Well, that's a remember. sweet little memory to have in the back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, so then at, I, you started playing basketball, obviously, as, at, a, as a young, at a young age. Um, and I'm assuming you grew up in a sports minded family. And even though I've listened to a lot of your episodes on your podcast, I think I've almost every single one. Um, I had no idea that Dewana Bonner was your sister. And, um, and when I was looking at your Wikipedia page yesterday, it reminded me like, oh yeah, Dewana Bonner is Erica's sister. Um, which she also played in Spain because she was playing for Rivas. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And she so, played, yeah. Yeah. So I remember watching her because I came to Spain. My first season was 2009, 2010. And she was here at some point in that very beginning time. And yeah. And those games, like people, the gym didn't have that much seating in it, unfortunately, their home gym but they would pack it every, every game, you know, and it was so fun to go and watch these players. And I was in the second division at the time. I wasn't even in first division and it was just such like, so cool to be able to go and watch them play. Yeah. I think um, around that time, I was around her rookie or second year um, playing pro pro ball when she was out here in Spain. And so like connecting it all together, it's kind of full circle for me and my family. So I'm really excited that I'm able to play in Spain. She's like, you're going to love it. You're going to love assist. Yeah. How many years difference are there between the two of you? We're exactly eight years apart. So we have the same birthday. So yeah, in, um, what's today? In like a week and a half uh, is our birthday. So I'll turn 27 and um, she'll turn 35. So exactly eight years. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So has she told you about, I mean, about her time in Spain? I'm sure it's changed since she was here. And unfortunately, her club is no longer in the first division you know, hopefully they'll make their way back. But um, yeah, like has she, when she found out that you were coming to Salamanca, did she, I don't know, share anything with you? Um, the only thing she shared with me was like playing for coach Roberto was like, she was like, you're going to love it. Like he's going to push you, but he's like one of the best coaches that I've ever played for. And that goes for like every person that I've spoken to that I've played underneath him. And I, I played in uh, at sex art in Hungary and he, I've played against him several years and like every player that I know that's played with him is like he's one of the best coaches ever you're going to enjoy playing for him so I haven't heard much words about the city or the the country of Spain but I heard a lot about coach and everyone says that he's great and it's going to be a great experience so I'm really excited for that okay yeah um I've heard nothing but good things about him as well however he is uh on Twitter he can be very um controversial <laughs> it's, it's really it's really pretty funny yeah it's uh 
Cause I think sometimes coaches uh, will say things on purpose, you know, and the only mm -hmm. people that know their true story are his players probably. Yes. Um, yes. So it'll be, it'll be an interesting year for you for sure. Yeah. But, um, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so when do you think as a young kid that it kind of just clicked and you were like, I can have a future in this and you started taking it even more seriously. Was there a specific moment for you? Um, I don't think there was like a specific moment where it clicked for me. I think it was just a gradual progression for me seeing that uh, I actually had an opportunity to, to be a, you know, a pretty good player, probably around junior high school. So probably when I was around 11 or 12 years old, I, I realized that, you know, that was something I could actually achieve. And I think my sister got drafted when I was like in sixth grade or something like that, maybe a little younger. And so seeing her play professional ball. Now that really lit me up. I was like, oh, this, this is what you can do. <laughs> like when you get older and, and, you know, ball can actually be become a profession for you. Um, and so I think as I started to get older and like, we started going to her games, that's why I was like, I want to do this. Um, so I think that was around, yeah, probably around sixth grade. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, this is fun. I definitely want to do this, but it wasn't until like seven or eighth grade when I was like, okay, I can, I can have an opportunity to do this. <laughs> Sixth grade was like, it's fun. It's cool. And then seventh, eighth grade is like where I really started taking serious about playing basketball. Sure. That's interesting for you, especially because when I think about my childhood, we really didn't watch the WNBA at home on the television. And I mean, I'm younger than you are, but the, the NBA, yes, we would watch that. Um, but for you to like have a sister in the WNBA and be conscientious of that, um, that's pretty sweet. And as time goes on, that'll be more and more common. You know, young girls now, they know what WNBA is. They see it on Instagram. They see it on the television. Uh, but unfortunately for me, I really didn't know that much about it. Um, so little by little, you know, it's, it's, it's expanding. It is. And it your is. brother, your brother too, he plays as well. Cause I feel like I saw something that your brother's yeah. playing he just got to Poland uh, like two days ago. So yesterday it was like his first day as a pro. Um, okay. And yeah, so he's, he'll be playing in Poland. I, I don't know how to pronounce any of the cities out there, but we're really excited for him <laughs> because that makes three pro, you know pros in our family. My dad is like, my dad's like, no one can tell me anything. I have three children who are professional athletes. I coached them. I did that. So he's on top of the moon right now. He is, he is so joyful that he has three children um, playing pro ball. So we're really excited for my brother. I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's, I don't know how common that is, but I don't know too many families that have, <laughs> you know, that's, that's incredible. Thank um, you. So, okay. So you start taking it seriously, seventh, eighth grade, and then I'm assuming the recruiting process probably started shortly after that. So um, tell me a little bit about how you managed the, and navigated the recruiting process, because I know for a lot of players, young kids, it's overwhelming. It's, um, it's difficult. Uh, many children or children, young adults probably aren't they, they might not know what they want or they're not as participative in the process. And uh, I just wonder how you went about it. Did you feel like you participated quite a bit or did you know right off the bat that you wanted to go to Stanford? Um, how did those years kind of shake out for you? Yeah, my freshman year, um, I got one letter. It was from Portland State. And uh, it was my first time I was going crazy because, you know, I 
I was like, okay, there's an opportunity for me, you know, to, to play in, in college. And so I was really hyped. Um, and, and so I ended up moving club basketball teams. I was playing on a team in Bakersfield um, and I moved to a team in LA called Cal Sparks. And after I like, I played in one tournament with them. <laughs> it was like my, my career like took off in basketball. I was starting to get noticed from all sorts of teams all over the country. Um, and it really, it really like honestly happened like overnight, <laughs> like people saw me playing that tournament. And after that, it was like a whole like culture change for me to be getting all this attention, coaches calling me, sending all types of letters, like every single day, like having a stack of 20 letters, you know, in my mailbox, my mom's just like, give them to like, here you go, here you go. Um, so it was a bit overwhelming. Like when you, I was getting all that attention at first, because I was like going from a player that just got one letter to a player getting 20 a day. And so it was, it was, it was tough at times because it was like coaches wanted to call you. I'm like writing, you know, the questionnaires every single day, you know, trying to do that along with homework and stuff. So it was kind of a tough balance. But you know, I I thank God that I have, you know, parents that, you know, kept me humble and allowed me to like separate the two and to get my schoolwork done and, and focus on basketball while also being recruited. Of course, my dad's a college coach as well. So like he knows the whole process of it. Mm-hmm. I was getting letters from my dad. <laughs> So that was a different process too. Um, and like having to like seriously my dad. Yeah, I got recruited for by my dad as well. Um <laughs> so that was that was different. Yeah. So I didn't know that. Where was he coaching at the time? Or is he still there? Yeah, he's still there. He he coaches at Cal State Bakersfield. So he's been there about 12, 13 years now. Okay. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. So he would send yeah. you a letter and then he would like see you at the dinner table. <laughs> yeah, I was in letters. And um, yeah, my, my dad was recruiting me, but it wasn't those so, so like, you know, traditional recruitment, you know, coaches calling yourself. And it's just like my dad's telling me, you know, like there's opportunity for you here. Of course, I would love to coach you. You know, you're my daughter. I know your game the best. Things like that. You know, of course, he would kind of throw his name in the hat. Why wouldn't he? He's my dad. Um, but I did have a conversation with him. I was like, I would love to play for you. Like, I would love to play for my dad. He's the coach that knows my game the best. He's the reason why I'm at the level where I'm at today. But I really wanted to expand my horizons. I really wanted to, you know, get out of Bakersfield. You know, Bakersfield's kind of a small town. Get out of Bakersfield and and allow myself to play. Like, you know, for I had an opportunity to play for, you know, the Pac-12 school, you know, ACC school. So that was big for me. Um, so I, I told him that we had that conversation. Of course he understood, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of people that got recruited by their, their dad. <laughs> I highly doubt it. Yeah. And <laughs> that's so great because he knows kind of the, the mentality of a college coach yeah. and to be able to um, just give you advice and help you out along the way, because it is really difficult and college coaches are very good talkers and they tell you exactly what you want to hear. And I mean, we see it in today's world with the portal. So many people are transferring and I was listening to one of your recent podcasts. I'm trying to remember who it was with, but you were just kind of talking about how your first couple of years at Stanford were also rough or it was your interviewee that had a rough time and, and just Uh, uh, Destiny Slocum, I think how, how she felt about like, you know, gutting it out, sticking with it, and then being able to like harvest the fruits of her labor afterwards. And there's something to say for that, you know? And, um, I don't know. I don't know if players these days are just making bad decisions or if it's just because college is tough and it's not, uh, you know, like it's not roses and balloons and lollipops. It's like, you 
And so I, I don't really know what's going on these days. I, I don't know if it's just like the mentality. Um, I don't know, but I'm proud of you for sticking with it. Cause I know like yes. <laughs> your college coach was nothing to like laugh about. Like those were. Okay. Everyone's seen the 30 for 30 and everyone thinks my experience is like that. It was not. <laughs> I, actually, <laughs> I actually haven't seen it yet. And I'm so embarrassed okay. to even say that oh, no, but you're fine. we don't, we don't have Netflix. And because I live in Spain, like we don't get ESPN and I've looked up, I've looked on YouTube. I've looked like if I can get it online somewhere, you know, whatever. And I haven't been able to find it yet. And I'm just like, Ugh, I just need to buy Netflix or buy the pass to ESPN or whatever for just a couple months or a year so I can finally see it because I'm just like, I can't not see it. It's an amazing documentary for anyone out there who has opportunity to watch it. It's amazing. and it made me not only appreciate just the players that came before me, like the Don Saley's and all that good stuff, but it also made me appreciate my time with Tara, like realizing like, I played for a freaking legend. <laughs> like I played for someone who led the way towards building women's basketball up. Um, and it's just, man, I was like, woof. I had to text her. I was like, Tara, thank you. I texted her after the documentary. I was like, Tara, thank you. Like that documentary was amazing. And I'm so happy that I had the opportunity to play underneath you. Yeah. She's been coaching for so long. One of my college coaches when I was in school, Barb Smith, had Tara at the Ohio State University when she had <laughs> the Ohio State like, days. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, she is still at it. It just blows my mind. Yeah. Um, but that's really cool that you got to play for her. And um, I, I was talking to my parents. My parents came to Spain because they don't want to miss this moment, you know, this baby moment. Yes. And I asked them, I'm like, have you guys seen Dream On? They did not even know what it was, Erica. Really? Really? I'm, like, I'm surprised. I know. I was, and I told them both. I'm like, when you guys go back home, you need to watch this. Like, I cannot yes. believe that you haven't even heard of it. And, yes. I, and I asked my dad that same question. I was like, how many documentaries are there of NBA players? How, how, like, we've heard the story of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird how many times, you know? And we're finally seeing a documentary of the WNBA. Like, yes. Uh, but it's refreshing yet frustrating as well, you know? Because it's like, goodness, like, we still have so far to go, but at least we're getting opportunity, we're getting visibility through this. Um, it's amazing. I know within the women's basketball community, everyone thoroughly enjoyed it, but it's just getting outside of the women's basketball community, you know, getting more visibility with that. So hopefully in due time, but keep spreading the word, dream on, amazing documentary. Everybody go watch it with the legendary Tara Vanderveer, my yeah. coach. <laughs> yeah, I remember I, I posted something on Instagram about it and I had a couple of friends write me a message of me like, what is this, a documentary or what is this? And so I think yeah. a lot of Europeans don't even really know exactly um, yeah. what it's all about. But yes. So you decide on Stanford. Um, yeah. What was the transition like for you on the court and off the court, as far as just the level of uh, excellence that was being demanded of you on a daily basis? How did you manage that? 
my first quarter was was a tough transition. One, Stanford's like the only school in the nation that still has a quarter system. If anyone has a quarter system, so you have a quarters and you have semesters. Semester is like two solid uh, set block times for when you go to school. So it's like 20 weeks, you go to school for 20 weeks and then you'll, the semester ends, you have another semester. Stanford goes by quarter systems, which is fast. 10, 10 quarter weeks. So <laughs> that was different for me going from high school to like we had semester systems where you learn for a long period of time and you have versus at Stanford, you have a midterm three weeks in. So <laughs> it was a tough transition for me. Um, and I think that's one thing that people don't realize about Stanford, about the quarter system, that it's just completely different from a semester system. So that was one adjustment along with school. So I went to summer, summer school. Summer school was fine. But it was completely different from going to regular school, having regular practice um, from a different practice block. So in terms of school, I struggled. I took psychology my first quarter, I think it was. And in high school, I can get away with like not reading and skim through stuff. And that'd be an event in my first uh, my first midterm. I like skim through the book. I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. And I like. <laughs> I got a really bad grade on my midterm. Um, so Tara actually tutored me. <laughs> a lot of people don't know. Tara actually tutored me in psychology. Um, so I would go to her office like after each practice at night. We'd have practice from like one to four. After practice, I would go to her office and we would read my psychology book together. Interesting. Um, yeah. We'd read like line like page by page. We'd be like, okay, bird, what does this mean? What does this mean to you? What does this mean to you? Um, so yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a transition. Like I've never had that where I feel like I needed help and had like to have my coach help me out with psychology. Um, uh, so that was that. And then of course the basketball, my Lord, that was an even tougher transition. Me and my teammate, Kylie Johnson, we didn't know what the heck we were doing. We didn't know. It was like, so they put our names together. My name was Bird. Her name was Kylie. They just, they called us Curd. And because, because it was always Kylie and Bird, Kylie and Bird. Kylie and Bird, why you messing? Kylie and Bird, why? <laughs> so they just called us Curd because we messed up almost every drill. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> it was a rough transition for me. <laughs> it's a lot. It was rough. Yeah, but I'm glad I had my teammates. I had five or four other teammates. There was five of us. Um, I had four other freshman teammates who were there in the trenches with me. Carly Samuelson, who you know, who plays for Salamanca, she was not like me. Works. Carly excelled in in class and in basketball. It was an easy transition for her. Maybe she wouldn't say the same for me, but through my eyes, Carly was succeeding. <laughs> me, I was struggling. I was struggling <laughs> in class. I was struggling in basketball. <laughs> so it took me some time to get used to things. It honestly took me two years. It took time for me. My junior year is my breakout year. It took time. Yeah. It's uh, it's just overwhelming. It's like you're saturated. You're, it's Everything's new, Everywhere. new classes, new, I mean, and just being going to school at Stanford, it's a world-renowned school for academics. And I would feel intimidated, you know, being in class, looking around like, wow, I'm here, you know? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So then did you major? Was your psych was psychology your major? Yeah. I uh <laughs> I got a C. That was the only C I got in college, was my first quarter at Stanford. Um, and I was like, I'm not taking this class. It's too much, way too much. So I ended up trying to major in communications. I'd even, even worse on the communications class. I would have got a C in that class, but I took it for credit. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let me, let me go back to psychology and see what it's like. 
Um, and I realized it was because it was like psych one. So we we're going over every part of psychology. And it was just a lot. I was like, this is too much. But as I, you know, got into more specific classes for psychology, I was like, okay, I really enjoy this major. And this is, this is a good major for me. So how would you say you coped with those ups and downs and just like the obstacles? Um, you obviously either you asked Tara for help or she was like, come on in. Is her background in psychology or why? Like, yeah. I, I, honestly can't imagine, I can't imagine going into my college coach's office and like getting help on school. It was intimidating. It really was. Um, Tara major in sociology. So okay. they're, they're paired the same. Um, so yeah, I, I believe, I don't remember how it happened, but I'm pretty sure she was like, Bird, how are you doing in class? I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> um, and she was like, okay, well, why don't you come up to the office? I'm pretty sure that I'm, I'm certain I didn't ask her that mm -hmm. she was the one who was like, <laughs> that provided the opportunity for me. Um, and that just shows the type of coach she is, you know, that she'll go all out for her players to make sure that they succeed. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the many reasons like why I enjoy playing for Tara. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's, that's really interesting. I've never heard that either that like a yeah. head coach has a player in the, cause usually the assistants, I feel like the assistants might do yeah. that stuff. Um, yep. like what advice would you give to, um, college students, future student athletes coming up, uh, at least just um, maybe just so that they don't think about putting their name in the portal right away. I mean, what, what type of advice would you give them uh, maybe even during the recruiting process, like what they should think about and then just the attitude that they should have once they do get to school. Yeah. I think the first thing you have to realize is that it's, it's not going to be handed to you. You're going to have to work for it. And I think that's what a lot of people expect that there are such, you know, they are such a good player in high school coming up that they expect these opportunities to be handed to them. Um, and of course the coaches are like, yeah, you're going to play. <laughs> All coaches say you're going to play. Of course they want you to come to your school. <laughs> so <laughs> they're going to tell you that they want you to play, but you have to be realistic about your expectations. I knew coming in that I might have some opportunity to play, but I was playing with Chenea Gumake, who was the number one player in the nation. I knew there wasn't going to be a lot of opportunity for me. And so you have to, when you get to college, you kind of have to reevaluate your expectations as to where they were when you were getting recruited as to where you are now. They're not going to be the same. And I think that's what a lot of players struggle with is that they have these expectations when they're getting recruited versus when they first get to college. Things change, circumstances change. And so I think you just have to reevaluate, you have to adjust, adapt. That's what college is all about, adaptation. When you adapt, then you begin to mold into the system and you begin to, you know, the coach sees what you can do. Then your playing time goes up. You become a better player. So that's the biggest thing is adapting. Um, and I think getting recruited, I think um, sometimes we go to school for the wrong reasons. Like when I was doing a, um, a podcast with Destiny Slocum, she was like, I didn't realize that this school didn't have like my major. And so that's another thing. When you go on your team, when you go on your visit, boom, ask questions to the team because they are not going questions and you can get everything settled about what the basketball is like, school's like, everything. Um, so yeah, that's probably my, my biggest. I'm sorry. It might saying that my internet connection isn't stable. So yeah, I, I heard you more or less. I hope you're still there, but yeah, ask a lot of questions. Ooh. Make sure that you have uh, the major that you want. Okay, so Stanford, you guys went to the final four your freshman and senior year. Okay, so 
And I've heard you talk on your podcast just about how difficult that was to balancing academics and going to the final four, like getting your tests in, preparing for a huge game the next day. I mean, how, how do you handle that as a student athlete? And especially at Stanford. That was hard. <laughs> now that was hard. It was hard for all of us because we had to all take our finals on the road and we expected to take our finals like in person at least a few of them and um, we ended up having like not be able to like go back to Stanford we had to like go straight from one city like I think we played in like oof, it was somewhere in, in the in the midwest to playing like on the east coast <laughs> and so like we had to adjust to that and it was really hard and that really just comes with the concentration honestly like and making sure that you're getting your studying time in because you have a lot of free time when you're on the road and so like typically when you're on the road like you just want to chill you want to watch tv with you know your your teammates and stuff but you have to like really lock in get your studying done and making sure you're taking care of that because you know at the end of the day if you don't get these things done I wasn't going to be able to graduate. I was like, how's I going to be able to graduate? I'm trying to go to the league. Like I need to get these things done. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of like locking in and like, um, like teammates, like sometimes we have like study sessions at Stanford. Everyone's like really surprised that we didn't have like required study hour, study time. Every other, every other sport, <laughs> football, men's basketball, they all had like required study time. The women's basketball team, we were on our own. Hmm. um which we which we like we like we liked our independence we like we didn't have to come in there and like sit there and study like we liked doing what we can do and we were successful with it and yeah. so but it does with you no know, more responsive or you know more freedom comes more responsibility so um yeah we just had to make sure that we really locked in I liked how our coaches gave us our independence but it just required us to like really make sure that we put in the time into our studying and so that's what we had to do on the road um and that's what I had to do Lord that was a stressful time my Lord yeah. the final four my senior year Woo! Finals, basketball, media. It was it was hectic, very I, hectic. Yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine because it's just so exciting, and then to have to spend so much, you know, brain energy on your final, and then scouting, and then you know, going to play. Like, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Um, but then that also makes me think about the draft, and you were drafted. 17th um and the draft takes place while a lot of people are still in school and so yeah. you know you I'm assuming you went to the draft did you go yes I went to the draft okay so you were there um but that was what during eight, what month April or May uh May okay May. yeah or in April it was in April okay so then how does that work? Like you, you leave school, you end up getting drafted. They want you at training camp. Yeah. You still have class. How did all that shake out? So because I knew I wanted to be a professional basketball player and I know my sister, you know, I've seen her lifestyle and I, I've seen what she had to do. And I knew that um, I was going to have to finish school early in order for me to, to be done and wrap the final four and just be a pro. I knew I was gonna have to finish early. So I took extra classes each quarter. I had to take an extra class mm -hmm. um, in summer school to make sure that I was going to be prepared. Cause I was like, I do not want to be to the, going to the draft in my first year in the league, having to be still in finals <laughs> going to school. So I prepared myself. Um, like my freshman year, I decided that like I was going to have to, okay. I, or maybe it was my sophomore year in the sophomore year. I was okay. like, okay, I got, 
ramp up things so I can make sure that I finish on time. So yeah, that was all planned out. Good for you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, props, because I can't imagine how stressful that would be, or then having to maybe not graduate and come back and do it. Cause I know a couple players who, who didn't graduate. Um, they, they left and they went and they still haven't come back and finished it off. And I just think, you know, that's, that's too bad because it's a free education and you're going to have it for the rest of your life. And especially like a Stanford education, that's just, um, that's great. So, wow. Good job. I I hadn't heard that answer. I don't think yet that someone that you just planned ahead of time that, that well. So bravo. Um, yeah. Okay. Everybody. I just finished up about 30 minutes with Erica McCall and I did not hit the record button. So unfortunately that's all lost, but I will do a little, uh, summary about what we talked about. If she will give me her blessing and allow me to, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, they talk about pregnancy brain and how you just forget to like do things sometimes. That's the first time it's ever happened to me. And I'm just trying to think, um, Oh, what I even want to want to say about whatever we just talked about. Um, it's all good. I, I should have noticed it myself too. With me doing Zoom, I didn't even notice that we weren't recording. Oh my gosh, Erica. Well, it's we were good. just, we were literally just talking about how we were in the same place at the same time in Alcabenda, Spain yes. back in the day. Erica has played for the USA team uh, since she was a 16 and under and has traveled to Mexico, has played three on three in, in Alcabenda, Spain, which is where I was uh, my first couple of years in Spain and uh, just a small world. But, oh, Erica, um, God dang. So, okay, well, tell me <laughs> your favorite, your favorite TV show as, as a 10 year old was what? That's So Raven. That That's So Raven. Show. And your yep. favorite uh, board game was? Pretty Pretty Princess. I don't know if they make it anymore. Um, I don't know if these days that game would pass, but. <laughs> I know pretty, that's, pretty. that's really funny. I was such a little boy when I was little that I don't know if I would have uh, played that or not. I was like, bold, <laughs> uh, you know, wearing my brother's hand-me-downs. Um, your fave move in the post, you said, but it's like, you're talking about a jump shot or like a, yeah, it's you're a not on the block. Yeah, I'm a little bit off the block, a little bit off the block. Um, so yeah, so it's a nice face up, um, inside, inside pivot, off the left leg, jab. I'm looking down their feet. They don't know when I'm gonna shoot it. Exactly. I hope, I hope, I hope not too many people. I mean, I hope a lot of people are listening, <laughs> but I hope no one's trying to get the scouting report on me. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll try. We'll keep it on the DL, but uh, <laughs> now it's out there. It's out there. There um, we go. You said that you always bring a specific hot sauce when you travel overseas. Yes. Frank's Red Hot, my go-to hot sauce. I use it pretty much on everything. And of course, Tony's is occasion seasoning that I always use on everything. So got to bring. Got maybe, to bring. maybe I should get myself some of this hot sauce because they say that hot, spicy foods help induce labor. And you know, I'm still waiting on this baby. So it's like, maybe tonight I'll just go and. Yeah, it's nice if you find some hot sauce and, and, and see what happens. Eat something real spicy tonight. I know I have sriracha sauce, but that's really not that hot. I think I have some cayenne pepper in there that maybe I can. Uh, cayenne will do the trick. I just put some cayenne on some, some chicken I was eating. I was like, oh, just a little bit there, a little bit there. Woof. Way too much, way too much cayenne. So I think cayenne will do the trick. Yeah, well, that and it's actually a full moon and I'm looking at it right now. And they say that when it's a full moon, sometimes that 
affects like birth and whatnot. So I might just stand out on the balcony, go get myself some chicken, put some cayenne <laughs> and hope that this baby starts going naturally and they don't have to induce me, but who knows? I love it. <laughs> who knows? Um, and your Jersey number you said was 24 because my sister wears 24. Your sister wears 24. Very yeah. sweet. Very sweet. And okay. And we touched real quick about how do you think basketball has contributed to your growth as a person? Yes. And I enjoyed your answer. So if you want to repeat a little bit, go for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, just allowing myself to really just dive into the culture and just embrace and humble myself into who I am as a person to get to know my teammates, get to know the food, the language, um, all that has allowed me to become just a better person in general. And then of course with basketball, it's just a different style of play wherever country that you decide to play in. And um, that has allowed me to become a, a better player. Um, mm -hmm. Different coaches allow, you know, to, to push me in different ways. And so just really just, you have to, like, I, it's like when you go to college, you have to be a, a, an adaptable person. And that's the same thing when you go overseas, you got to adapt to the culture and you got to adapt to the basketball. And when you do, woo, it's a, a beautiful experience. And uh, you come on the other side and you, you just are so grateful for it. Yeah. But I, I honestly can't help think about what you said earlier, because I've never had that experience. You said you were the only black person in town. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was the only black person in town. Um, it, oh, my Lord. It was just I felt like everyone was staring at me. My first like really my first year, like just everyone was staring at me. Like I was like a black sheep <laughs> or a lack of better. Or like, that's what it was. Um, and it was very uncomfortable for me to get used to, but then I, you know, when I allowed myself to get, you know, comfortable with my teammates and my, my, my coaches, and then the, the fan base that allowed me to just really relax and just, you know, not have to look, you know, with my, my head looking behind me to see if you know so everyone's staring at me and then actually like um a couple of years past I think it was like my third year and we were at this huge festival that they have in sex art hungry and um I guess everyone was staring at me <laughs> because I was like on the only black person there and I was like my, my teammates were like everyone's there and I was like really I don't even notice <laughs> and it's just because I was so comfortable um in that city in that culture and so wow. Once you get used to it, yeah, and the people accept you for who you are, it's a, it's a beautiful feeling. Well, good for you, Erica, because I know that's not easy. I get mad sometimes when people look at me just because I'm tall. I'm like, dang, I'm not even that tall. Like, stop looking at me, you know? So, I understand. Erica, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much you for do. putting in the time. Um, oh, man, I really fun. look forward to meeting you and, um, you know, introducing you to the little babe at some point. So yes, best of wait. luck. Best of Thank luck. You. All right, y'all, there you have it. 40 or so minutes with the Erica McCall. I am really trying to remember what we talked about that wasn't recorded <laughs> because two months have passed. I can't hardly believe it. These last few minutes were a quick recap of a few things. She did let us know, however, where we can find her on social media. So check her out on Instagram and Twitter at birdstheword underscore 24. And then you can also follow the podcast on Instagram at birdseyeview.podcast. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter as well at one, that's the number, one birdseyeview. 
Uh, So check her out. She's great. I've been listening to her podcast ever since I saw that she was going to play for Perfumerias Avenida. I looked her up, clicked on the podcast. I have listened to almost every single episode. Now that the baby is here, I'm not as consistent. (laughs) But uh, the last one I listened to was with her dad, actually. And uh, that was really interesting and really fun to, to just hear what her dad sounds like. So highly recommend the podcast. Go check it out. And what else? A couple other things I remember we talked about were I asked her what the fans, La Marea Azul, what they could expect from Erica McCall. And um, she said that, you know, she's a player that she's just going to bring a lot of energy. She's going to come to work every day. And uh, she's a beast on the boards. So she was really excited just to play for the fans at uh, the Würzburg Würzburg Arena uh, because she had had heard a lot of good things from former teammates that have played there. So she was really excited to be headed to Spain um, and play for Perfumerias Avenida. And she's obviously already there now, has already played a couple games. Um, everyone is extremely happy with her. I was listening, watching the Super Cup, Supercopa the other day, and Marta Fernandez, one of the commentators, was just commenting on how much she liked this new player for Salamanca, Erica McCall, because she just didn't stop working. She was great on the boards, and she was kind of one of those players that just gave you that extra... Uh, just extra boost on the floor because she's willing to do the dirty work. And uh, those rebounds are key in so many games. So, um, And then I asked her what her thoughts were about Spain and what did she know about Salamanca. And she said that she was just really looking forward to coming to Spain because she knew that it was a really competitive league. Um, Salamanca, she had heard, was a great, fun a beautiful town and that, you know, the club, the people in Salamanca, the city itself just live for their women's basketball team. So she was really excited about that. And furthermore, excited to play in EuroLeague because this is her first season playing EuroLeague. And uh, for her, it's an honor and something that she has been wanting to achieve for the last, you know, um, ever since she came to Europe. So it's a very big a big deal for her to be playing in Salamanca. She does not take that for granted. She's very excited. Um, I think we talked also a little bit about just, you know, how intense it is playing in the Spanish league and playing EuroLeague because you have a lot of games. You have to perform at your highest level every night, and it's a lot of travel. Um, So, you know, traveling from Salamanca to the airport in Madrid uh, frequently for away games, um, you know, it, it does take a toll. So you got to take care of your body. You got to eat right, sleep right, try to do all those little things, um, rehab, you know, stay on top of all of your little bumps and bruises so that you can get through the whole season. Um, and we also talked about the WNBA and just the differences that are, popping up through the players union and how WNBA players are going to have a harder time playing over in Europe because if they are if they have been in the WNBA I think it's for more than 2 or 3 years then they have to be back to training camp 
on time. And if they're not on time, they can then be pretty much um, kicked out and they don't get a chance to play that season because it's a new rule that they're going to have to be back for the beginning of training camp. If you're in your rookie season overseas, uh, the first mm, two or three years, you don't have to be back for training camp. But if you're past that, you do. And uh, that's really tough for players like Erica because in the WNBA, she was saying that, and she talks about this on her own podcast as well. But a lot of teams, they might spend a good chunk of change on a couple really good players and then they fill the other spots on their roster with players who are rookies who don't cost as much, which allows them to p- spend more money on the really good players. But then there's that those in-between players that are not rookies and are not, you know, the, the top, the creme de la creme of the WNBA. And those players are the ones that are having a hard time finding teams. So, um... It's going to be interesting to see just kind of how things play out and where the WNBA goes in the next couple of years and um, if there will ever be any type of agreement with European teams. But I highly doubt that because each each party always looks out for the best for them. And there's no reason why uh, there's no real connection between European teams and the WNBA. So they don't really need to feel like they need to come to an agreement. So I don't know. We'll have to keep our eyes on that as years go by. And um, I think more or less that was about it. But um, I really hope everybody enjoyed today's interview. I'm excited to go watch Erica in uh, Magariños, the court of Movistar Estudiantes. Hopefully little Ruby Faye and I will be able to attend the game. A teammate of mine, Nadia Fingal, shout out to Nadia gifted me a little pair of um, like headphones to keep the noise out of Ruby Faye's ears. So we will be showing up with those cute little headphones on and watching games of La Liga Femenina Endesa. Uh, so very excited for that. And uh, I can't believe she's letting me do this podcast right now because she's sitting over there in her little bouncy chair and her eyes are kind of fluttering open. So I really got to wrap this up because she is going to be hungry when she wakes up and she is going to let me know. So thank you very much to everyone that has been listening. As you know, um, go on over to Apple Podcasts and put five stars on there for me. You know, why not? <laughs> um I'm doing what I can over here, and I think uh, the content and the stories are really worth it. So uh, tell your mom, tell your dad, brother, sister, tell somebody on the street that you don't even know. Uh, They need to check this podcast out, Another Season in the Books with Leslie Knight. And other than that, I hope you all have a safe and healthy week, and hopefully we will be back and see you here sooner than later. All right, everyone. Take care. Hasta luego. Thank you.